Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning and welcome to Stevens Creek Church. Uh, you're here on an exciting day. I'd like to welcome all those in our South Campus. I'd like to welcome all those watching online and those watching uh, on demand. Hope you've had a great week. And I'll tell you, it's a great week to be a Creeker. I'll tell you, this is... Uh, uh, an exciting time in our church, and I'll be talking about that more in the next uh, few minutes. But you know what? I like to start with something funny. Did you hear about uh, the church secretary that received a phone call, and a guy on the phone was uh, calling and said, hey, I want to speak to the head hog of the trough. And she was kind of offended. She said, you mean you're talking about the pastor? If you're going to talk to the pastor, you've got to treat him with respect and dignity, and you've got to call him the pastor. He said, well, he said, I was going to make a $10,000 donation to the building fund. She said, wait a minute, Porky just walked in. <laughs> you can call me whatever you want to call me. <laughs> We're in one of the greatest seasons of our church history. I'll tell you, the last two months, we've seen God move in a significant way. And this is more than just talk, but this is an actually, I believe that God is stirring something in our congregation. The 21 days of prayer that we just completed, the revival that we completed, these are just the beginning of what God is going to be doing in your life, in your family's life, and in our congregation here in our South Campus. It's just going to get better. And so I just want to encourage you uh, to step forward in your faith. I want to encourage you uh, to put your uh, faith into action. Over the next few minutes, I want to talk to you about a story of feeding of the 5,000. And last week, Branton really uh, laid the foundation for this as he challenged us to uh, continue in faith even after the revival was over. And so in today's story, it's very interesting. It focuses on a time when the disciples... And, uh, and Jesus were facing a huge dilemma. They had a problem, and the problem, uh, the answer to the problem was right in front of them. Maybe you've been there before, that you've had this problem. You don't know what to do. You don't know how to handle it. But when, it, when you look back, the answer was right in front of you. And so this is the story of the feeding of the 5,000. It is interesting because it is uh, told in all four of the Gospels. Now, what are the Gospels? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Good. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Gospels means that these tell the story of Jesus, and these four individuals were eyewitness accounts of uh, the ministry of Jesus. So they gave us a, they're giving us a front row seat of the story of Jesus. And this story happened about the time when the miraculous power of Jesus started to spread throughout the region. And as a result of that, crowds started to flock in. Uh, to wherever Jesus was, hundreds, thousands of people would come to try to get a glimpse of him, to try to hear his teachings, and to try to receive uh, a miracle from him. To the point where uh, Jesus and his disciples were practically, they were just worn out. 
And so they decided to take some, uh, a couple of days off and go to a remote location for some rest and relaxation. But the problem was the crowds found out where they were. And so they showed up to this remote location and Jesus had compassion on them and began to preach. Now, the Bible says that there were 5,000 men. I would imagine some of them brought their wives. Okay? What if there were 5,000 wives? What about kids? You think they had one or two? Maybe, so good possibility, this crowd that had gathered there on the hillside to listen to Jesus teach was probably between 10 and 15,000 people. A couple of years ago, Patty and I were on that hillside, and here's a picture that I took with my phone, just uh, as <clears throat> if you can imagine Jesus standing there looking down um, at the crowds off at the Sea of Galilee. So we pick up the story in Matthew chapter 14, 15, and 16. It says, As the evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Jesus sent the crowds away so that they could go to the villages and they could buy some food. Jesus replied, They don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. Now, the disciples were thinking, wait a minute. We didn't ask these people to show up. I mean, this, this seminar didn't come with a meal. I mean, we're just looking for some rest and relaxation. Jesus said, I care about these people. I want you to feed them. And the disciples assessed the situation, and they realized that it was physically and financially impossible for them to feed these individuals. I mean, they did the math. Let's say $5 per head for adults, $2.95 for kids. They ran the numbers, and they realized it would take eight months of their wages just to feed this one crowd. And they, they went on to say, Jesus, we just can't do this. It's just not possible. I mean, where are we going to get the food? How are we going to keep the food hot? And do we get a permit from the health department? I mean, the, who's going to clean this stuff up? I mean, they're going through the list of all the reasons why that it is an impossible situation, why they can't do this. Well, Jesus is using this situation to teach them what it means to have faith, to teach them what it means to believe. Here's the point. When God asks you to do the impossible, it's because he wants to stretch your faith. Now, when God asks you to do the impossible, it's because he wants to stretch your faith. This is a test for them. Jesus was using this challenge, this situation, as a way to test their faith. I want you to remember that because I want to come back to the word test. Uh, at the end of the message. And maybe some of you feel like you've been through a test before, that you've been in a difficult situation, you've had a problem, and the problem is so much bigger than you ever imagined possible. And now you're sitting back trying to figure out, okay, what's my next step? What am I going to do? How am I going to handle this? So many times in my life, God has allowed things, problems to come, situations to develop, 
situations that make me feel like it's impossible, it'll never happen, and he allowed those situations to develop just to teach me that he is bigger than the problems, to just to teach me to trust in him. Now, the disciple says, we can't do that, it's impossible. We don't have that kind of money. But Jesus said, well, I want you to tell me, what do you have? Don't tell me what you don't have. Isn't that what we do so many times? A problem comes up, and we just want to tell everyone, oh, I don't have this, and I don't have that. There's just no way. I don't have the education. I don't have the experience. I don't have this. And we are always focused on what we do not have. And Jesus looks and says, what do you have? Tell me what you have. We pick it up the story in John. Andrew, Simon's Peter's brother, spoke up and said, well, here's a boy. This is what we do have. He's got five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will that go among so many people? Now, if Andrew at this point would have stopped that sentence in the middle and said something like this, hey, we've got uh, five loaves of bread and we've got two fish, you can do this. But he didn't say that. He said, we've got five loaves of bread and two fish, but how, how far is that among so many people? In other words, at that moment, he is talking himself out of a miracle. We often do that. We often have this opportunity that we're going to believe, that we're going to step out and do something that we have not done before. And as we're about to take that step, we start to talk ourselves, all those those words start to talk ourselves out of doing that. That's what's happening here. This was a test. And sometimes God uses financial situations to teach you to trust him. Sometimes God uses financial situations to teach you to trust him. And for you to realize that he has the power to meet your need. Some of you right now are going through a test. Could it be that God is using this challenge that you're in as a teaching moment to teach you to trust him and he wants to show you that he is bigger than you think he is, that he is bigger than you think he is. This is a test. And Mark says it this way, how many loaves do you have? He asked, go and see. And they said they had five loaves and two fish. Here's the point. God always starts with what you have. God always starts with what you have. I think God will never ask you to do something unless he gives you the ability to do it. God always starts with what you have. God will never ask you to do something unless he gives you the ability to do that. I hear people say all the time, well, I can't do this, or I can't do that, or I don't, I don't feel qualified. I know I need to do this, but I would say, pause it for a moment. Let's don't talk about what you don't have. Let's talk about what you do have. Jesus took the five loaves. He took the fish. He, he prayed over it, and you know the story. It multiplied. Somehow it, it fed 5,000 people. And here's the point 
the reason the importance of the five loaves of bread and two fish is this. God is always working to get you involved in what he is doing. And God wants to take what you have and God wants to multiply it to meet a need. You see, God wants you involved. God wants to use you. God wants to touch you. God wants to give you a power that is greater than yourself so that you can help other people along the way. Just let that sink in. God will take what you have. He will multiply it to meet a need. We pick it up again in Mark 6. He says, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks. He broke the loaves. and Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them. God's will is always to get you involved. To get you involved in what he's doing. So what do you have? What do you have? You, you give what you have, and then God will touch that, and God will multiply it in ways that is really beyond your imagination. Of course, my mind goes back to nearly 34 years ago when we gathered in a borrowed living room with 24 people. We didn't have government funding. We didn't have grants. We didn't have any of that. But we passed the plate on that first day, November 29th, 1987. We passed the plate. We collected $369, and this church started with that. And so everything you see here, the ministries here, the ministries at the Dream Center, ministries in our South Campus, they are springing forth from an original seed of $369. The point is this. When you give it over to God and he blesses it, God is always in the multiplication business. God loves to take what you have, the $369. He loves to bless that and he will multiply it. The problem is so many of you don't want to wait 34 years for that to happen. You want it to happen now. But it's a lesson of patience. It's a lesson of faith. It's a lesson of getting up tomorrow, rolling up your sleeves and saying, I'm going to trust God through it all. Jesus was teaching them about faith. And God often uses situations like this so that we can see his power and we can be involved in his work. Now, one way we can be involved in his work is through the giving of our um, of offerings and the return of the tithe. Now, we haven't really talked about stewardship a lot in the last couple of years, especially with the pandemic and all the, the problems that uh, have developed. But you know, when we fail to teach about stewardship, we're robbing people from a blessing. And so it's all about learning to trust, learning to believe. Because you see, God wants you involved in what he is doing in this world. And God uses what you have and what I have. He uses what you give to fund his work here and around the world. When we think about giving in the church, we often 
um, use the word tithe. And the word tithe comes from Malachi chapter 3 and 10. It says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there can be food in my house. Now back in the Old Testament time, a tithe represented 10 or 10%. You never would pay tithe, so you never give a tithe, but you return the tithe because the tithe belongs to the Lord. In fact, God has given you the ability to create wealth. He's given you the energy, the insight, the wisdom, the opportunity, and then as a way of worship, we return the first 10%. So we return the tithe, but we give offerings, and offerings can be free will offerings as uh, we see fit and as we feel prompted to do that. Have you ever wondered why God came up with that kind of system? I mean, God could have used a lot of different things. God could have had manna rain down every Sunday morning, and we could collect that manna, and we could uh, trade it. God could have had a cattle on a thousand hills, and when the church needed uh, money, they could just sell a few cows. He's God. He could have chosen any other system to fund his work. So why did he choose this system? He chose this system because he wanted all of us to be involved in what he's doing. In fact, there's four reasons why the percentage giving plan, a tithing plan, um, works and why God put it in uh, to work at the ch- uh, in his work. First of all, it, it involves everyone. When we all bring the tithe, it, it involves all of us. You know, just think about how much tension it would be in a congregation if you had a flat fee. So, okay, like a ticket price. What if you had to buy a ticket to come uh, come to service today, and so, uh, and you set the ticket price at X amount of dollars. You know, for those that are um, are struggling financially, and it would be a very painful process to get enough money to buy the ticket. But then, those who are very affluent, it wouldn't even phase or affect their way of living. And so, instead of having that. Uh, a system that is unfair, he created a system that involves everybody. And it involves the affluent and the less affluent people. It's a percentage giving plan. And the important part of that, it all starts, uh, has the same starting place. It starts with a percentage. So therefore, people in your section today, uh, people will return the tithe and it may be $20 or it may be $50, it may be $100, it may be $500. But the point is, All of us uh, start at the same place. We are all doing our part proportionately so that the cause of Christ can be spread across the world. Why did God choose this? I don't know why God chose this except for it, it brings all of us together. That's why. I think the third thing, it just provides a consistent flow of resources for the church. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, it says, now about the collection, the collection for God's people, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the very first day of the week, each of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. And so what Paul is saying, he's saying on the first day, I believe he is saying this because he wanted a consistent flow of resources so that the church could be fully funded to, so they could accomplish the work. Here's the fourth reason. I think this is a good plan. 
It eliminates the gimmicks. <clears throat> Too many churches have gimmicks to try to fund their work. Gimmicks are not God's plan to how the church should be punished, uh, should be financed. You know, Jesus took a, a whip one day and he cleaned out the temple because of all the money changers. He said, no, we're not going to do it this way. And so many times we use gimmicks. I, I grew up in a church, a small southern church that was underfunded, okay? And so to help keep the doors of the church open, every Thursday, the ladies of the church would make hot dogs. They would go down to the textile mills, the Abbeville Mills, and they would sell hot dogs to try to get enough money to keep the church open. That's just what you did. And so when we started this church... I said we started with $369, even several years later, we're still struggling along the way. And so oftentimes when you struggle, what do you do? You revert back to your past life, okay? You go back to what you know uh, that somebody else has done. So that's what we did. So I'll never forget, we gathered the men of the church one Saturday, and we had this big barbecue, and we sold chicken dinners. We were pretty zealous, and we didn't have that many customers, and so we, we, so we left that day having a lot of leftover chicken dinners, and we were looking at that to help fund the church, and so I'll never forget the next day on a Sunday, we had all this leftover chicken dinners. I preached just like I did today, and at the end of the service, I am back at the back peddling chicken dinners, trying to get you to eat my chicken and not the chicken from KFC. Seriously. And I am telling you, as I am doing that, I am feeling convicted of the Lord. And I responded and said, Lord, I will never, ever do this again, but I will preach what your word says about finances. Here's the point. God didn't call us to sell chicken dinners. God didn't call us to have pancake suppers. God didn't call us to do car washes. God didn't call us to have bingo nights. God called us to bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that his work can be funded and this community can be changed. God's percentage giving plan makes it possible for believers in the church to address the core vision of the church without this, in, uh, this string of fundraising schemes that really hurt the reputation of the church in the eyes of people who are not believers. Aren't you glad that when you come into Stevens Creek Church, you don't sit through a 20-minute plea for an offering every Sunday. And that's common across the land. I have been in my home church. I, I'm throwing my home church under the bus. I don't mean to because they brought me to faith. But uh, I have seen them go count the offering and then come back and say, it's not enough. We're going to pass the plate again. <laughs> I've seen them do that three times in one service. Aren't you glad we don't do that? Aren't you glad that you don't get a bill in the mail saying this is what you owe? Some churches do that. They look at the annual budget, they divide it by members, and boom, that's your bill. Aren't you glad that there's somebody that uh, nobody's knocking on your door trying to twist your arm to, to give? 
We're just not going to operate that way. We're just not going to do that. Why is that? Because you have embraced the historically proven, biblically sound method of bringing the tithe, returning the tithe to the Lord. You are a generous people. You are a generous people, and this is a generous church. And I have been so blessed because of you, because you have taught me what generosity is all about. You have taught me what it means to be kind. You have taught me what it means to serve. Over and over again, you have just overwhelmed Patty and me with your kindness and your love and your generosity. And we don't have all these gimmicks and all these schemes because of you. Because you're good, you're kind, you're generous people. And I just appreciate it so, so very much. I am I'm deeply touched every, every week. And just to see how faithful that you've been um, throughout the pandemic, how you've faithful been, uh, you've been to help resource this ministry. And I believe that God's honoring your faithfulness. You know, I talk about tithes. You return the tithe, but then offerings. I mentioned offerings because an offering is a free will offering. Now, typically, we do two offerings a year, two free will offerings, and one is the Christmas offering. And we start talking about the Christmas offering in November, and we just say, you know, we want you to bring your best gift to the Lord this Christmas. You're buying everybody Christmas gifts. Let's bring your best gift to the Lord. And we do that, and you respond wonderfully. And then we bring an Easter offering. Other than that, we don't do offerings a lot. On occasion, we will do an offering. But you've just been so good at funding the work, and you've gone above and beyond. Um, but in the Old Testament, they had five or six different offerings that you would bring. But we have, uh, we've only done that for those two, and then occasionally special offering. And as a result of your generosity, we have been able to do amazing things. I think about our Dream Center. But just last year, we were able to serve over 20,000 under-resourced people because of your generosity and the work of the volunteers at our Dream Center. Amen. I think about the 24 people that are coming forward to be baptized today. I think about those are lives changed. I think about uh, uh, two weeks ago we had over 218, I think was the exact number, over 200 just in our high school ministry on a Wednesday night because of your faithfulness to give to the next generation. And so I am just so thankful and I'm appreciative of what you've done. I believe that God has brought us together so that we can make a difference in this community. And over the next few minutes, I just want to talk to you about something that is developing and it is developing quickly. And it is one of these things that's going to take your breath away when it's all said and done. We started this message off by saying that God always starts with what you have. God never asks you to do something unless he gives you the ability to do it. And God always wants to get you involved in what he is doing. Well, this past July, um, a real estate agent called Todd, Pastor Todd, and said, I'm about to list a property in Columbia County for sale. It's a church property with, 18, uh, with 12 acres of land and an 18,000 square foot building. He said, the church has 
gone through tough times through COVID and did not make it through the pandemic. And I just wondered if Stevens Creek would be interested in opening a West Campus. And so Todd called me and said, you've got to go see. And so Patty and I went out and we toured the property. And I just said, okay, this is not necessarily we um, in our budget, but it's interesting to me. I know that we'd set this private goal to have five campuses by 2025, but it's not like we just came through the South Campus edition. So we were not looking to move into this. And so I said clearly, I said, look, we're going to go through 21 days of prayer and we're going to go through the revival. Um, I'm not going to deal with this until after that. Well, we went through 21 days of prayer. We went through the revival and the day after the revival was over, I get a word from the agent that said this. He said, well, there's three organizations that are looking at this property. They're accepting all bids, uh, but the bids have to be in within one week. And I think, that's not my plan, because my plan was like maybe November, maybe use the Christmas offering toward a project like this. And so I, I ran this uh, quickly to our stewardship team and to our elders. And on Friday, two days prior to this, this is all really quick, y'all. Um, we put a contract on this property. It's the New Heights Community Church. You'll see a picture of it here. And uh, the cost is $3,777. And so somebody, it was a $3 million asking price. And so... Um, course, somebody else already offered full price. So I thought, well, if I'm going to have to pay more than asking for this building, I was going to do it like $777 because seven is God's number. <laughs> now, that's tongue in cheek and that's a smile. That's not trying to manipulate God or you are trying to say that's magical or anything else. But here's what this is very interesting to me. God knows what you need before you ask him. And God knows what our church needs before we ask him. And in the Old Testament, there are two different scriptures that says that he will give you cities that you did not build, houses that you did not build, vineyards that you did not build. And when I see an opportunity like this, I, you know, Patty and I were saying, you know, this may not be the exact creek-style building that we would build. But if we were to buy a piece of property and go through zoning and go through um, the clearing of the land, going through the uh, architectural development, all of those things, it would take three to four years. It just takes a long time. And here... It's done. I believe that it's going to reach a lot of people. You know, we in 2009, we uh, embarked on a Grovetown campus, and we were out there three years, and we were out there before the growth. And we pulled back and, and built this building right here that you're in right now. Today, God is saying, I'm giving you another opportunity to do what was in your heart even 12 years ago. But the opportunity is different now because it has already been built. It's already been ready. 
Now, what I know is, is that $3 million and 777, along with that, is not in our budget. But I believe where God guides, he will provide. And God will use people in this room, people watching and our uh, online and people in our South Campus. God will speak to us about a free will offering. And so, again, it's not going to be a gimmick. You're not going to come here next week and see a thermometer with a big red thing. <laughs> we just don't do that. We're not launching a pancake supper drive. We're not doing bingo nights. We'll let those folks in North Augusta handle that. Um, we just don't do that. But here's what we are going to do. We're going to say, God, what do you want me to do? And just do whatever God tells us to do. In the end, in the end, God is going to take what we have. God is going to multiply it and bless it. And you and I are going to have a front row seat to see God do something spectacular and God do a miracle. You're going to have a front row seat. And we're going to step back and say, only God. Only God. And so the closing date uh, is November the 15th. Um, if all, everything, and you guys know how all that works. Um, and so sometimes those things change. But that's the target date. Our target date to launch would be in January. And it would be Stevens Creek West. And let me say this. It takes time, talent, and treasure. And so some of you, uh, you know, the most valuable thing you have is your time. And so we're going to ask you to give of your time, your talents. Some of you have skills and abilities. It makes us a little nervous because typically we would take a year to plan a new campus, okay? It would take a year. Uh, it's January now. And so uh, we're going to need extra hands on deck and we're going to need help. But you're a generous church and we... We believe we can do this together. And so I just want to let you know that, uh, the folks uh, at the New uh, Heights Community Church, they'll be hearing this today also. That they're, um, And they're down to like 40 people, and, and those 40 people are more than welcome to become Creekers. Um, if they have. And so we're just excited about what God's going to be doing in the days ahead. So God is not going to ask you to give what you don't have. He's just not. But I'm going to be praying for you that God will give you seed. You know, on day 16 of 21 days of prayer, our lesson was the prayer of Jabez. And Jabez prayed, Oh, God, that you would bless me. God, that you would expand my territory. God, that you would keep your hand upon me. And God, that you would keep me healthy. Ever since day 16 of 21 days of prayer, I've been praying those on a regular basis. God, let your blessings, let your anointing come upon me, upon you. I pray for you. I pray for our church. I pray, God, expand our territory. God, keep your hand upon me. Lead me and guide me. Open the doors that I'm supposed to walk through. And God, keep me healthy. And I want to pray that over you today. Because you see, as God blesses you, 
out of the overflow of your life, you will be able to bless others. So are you ready? Let's stand together. Father, I pray over this congregation. I pray that the power of your presence would be in this room. I pray, God, that you would touch the folks in our South Campus, those watching online. God, I pray that you would stir up the gift of faith, that your anointing would come, and that your blessing would come. And, Lord, I pray that you would expand the territory of people in this room. So, Lord, I am praying right now for those of you that have businesses that God would start to expand your territory. For those of you uh, uh, that on your job, that God would start to expand your influence. That his hand would be upon you, that he would lead you and guide you. So some of you are trying to make decisions right now. I pray over you this prayer. God, will you open the doors that they are to walk through this week. Father, I pray that you would make it so clear and evident. And Lord, I pray this prayer that you would close the doors that they are to stay away from, that they're not to go through. God, I pray that you would bring clarity, that you would bring insight. Father, I pray that your hand would be upon us, that you would lead us and guide us, but also that you would keep us healthy. I pray right now for those Stevens Creekers who are suffering right now uh, from cancer, from heart disease, from mental illness. But God, I pray specifically for those that are suffering with COVID-19. And God, I pray that you would bring healing to them. And I speak life over you. And I would challenge you to say this prayer just like I said this when I was going through COVID-19. I will live and not die. I just declared that. I will live and not die, but I will live long in the land that you're giving us. And so, Father, I just pray that, that you would push back the darkness, push back the sickness, and, God, we receive your touch. For those of you that are sick in this room right now, I just pray this, that you would receive God's touch, that you would receive his healing in Jesus' name. Now, as we prayed in the revival, we said, God, I receive, say this, I receive what you have for me. I receive what you have for me. In Jesus' name, we all prayed and said, amen, amen, amen. Come on now. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to StevensCreekChurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.